Welcome to Value Driven Life. I'm your host, Coach Chris McMahon, and today I sit down and talk with one of my weight loss coaching clients, uh, Kevin. And it's an interesting conversation that I wanted other people to hear, and I asked Kevin if I could share it, and he said yes. That was his big hope that other people could benefit from this. We talk all about snacking, specifically like how to start to curb like evening snacking, what are some other options if you have like a sweet tooth, and Kevin is in like an interesting predicament right now because he's recovering from an injury. So we talk a little bit about uh, maintenance and dieting if someone is recovering from an injury. It's a really interesting conversation and I think you'll get a lot out of it. Uh, before we jump in, I just want to remind you that this episode and every episode is sponsored by Legion Athletics. They are one of the top uh, sports nutrition supplement companies out there with no funny business. There are no ingredients in there that shouldn't be in there. Everything is scientifically reviewed and backed and it's a product and a company that I can trust. So if you want to save 20% off your first order or double loyalty points, you could just use my name, Chris M at checkout and you will save some money or get double points. Who doesn't want that? So without further ado, sit back, relax, and uh, I hope this helps. So, so, so tell me what's going on. Where should I start? <laughs> All right, no, no, no. Actually, I was thinking about it a little bit ago and just like thinking of the context of where I'm at now. As you know, I'm, I'm recovering from an Achilles rupture pretty gnarly injury do not recommend i'm about maybe 35 days give or take post-op so two months ago this happened and i would have told you then i was in my prime and you know the funny thing about that is when you're feeling really good sometimes it's easy to tap in and say man i should be resting and i was firing on all cylinders like when it happened it was an easy task that took me out and on top of, like, basically, the injury was a matter of workload. This is all going to tie back to nutrition. Bear with me, Chris. The I think it tied to workload because I was training three to five days a week strength training. So I was training pretty hard. And I'm a coach um, for a place called Kid Strong. And we teach kids and we coach them how to do, like, calisthenic movements, obstacle courses. And I have a lot of floor hours coaching these kids. So my workload is pretty high and I'm firing in all cylinders and calorically what I found was, cause I would like do minimal eating in the morning and some, some days I would intermittent fast and historically that worked really well for me. Mm. But my schedule flip-flopped to where I was having to put out a lot of energy, especially in the evenings to coach these classes. So I was having to consume a lot more calories and you know i thought this was a neat thing to observe was like when i started eating breakfast and when i started eating more the brain fog lifted right yeah. like I was, I was just functioning better and so i had gotten to a point circling back to feeling like i was at my prime where i was fueling my energetic needs and so i was eating a lot more and everything was fine now i'm now I'm faced with the injury and I'm having to be mindful, not only my, my caloric input, because I'm not moving as much, 
but my snack habits. Now I had gotten really good at not snacking in between meals and making balanced plates and, and learning how to make a meal that would sustain me, right? Now, when I was not injured two months ago, I was still in my evening time snack habit. And what I mean by the evening time snack habit is uh, after I'd eat dinner, I'd wait 10, 15 minutes and it's dessert time. And then when dessert time hits, it's like uh, turning it off. Hmm. You know, you made that post yesterday of having to go back for more. And just like this, a dessert is turning into a fourth meal. And for me, I kind of understand the behavioral aspect of it is it's the end of the day. I am tired. My body thinks I need more calories because I'm tired. But where I'm at within my day is my brain's not ready to shut down. So I'm just wired to keep moving. Mm. And so that's something I've really been struggling with is turning that that snack off. Mm. You know, that's really interesting, Kevin, because I don't think you're you're definitely not the only person who's dealing with that. But there's a couple things that stand out to me here. So one, you're basically you're in maintenance mode right now because you're recovering. That's what you that's what you're doing. So you're you're wanting to kind of curb this snacking in the evening habit. And also we could talk a little bit more about about a little bit about fasting because I think it's really interesting. Is that cool with you? Yeah, Does that sure. Sound like a step in the direction you want to go. So I, Chris, I don't know what I don't know. What I do know is that you're a good coach and you're well seasoned in this nutrition department. <laughs> All right, so I'll take the compliment. So look, when it comes to when it comes to fasting, certain people it works for them just based off their lifestyle right? It's neither good nor bad. It's not going to make you live longer. It's not going to, it's not all the, all the hype that's around it is, has been disproven at this point. And any of the studies where people claim that fasting heals your body, heals your genes, does all that studies in rodents, it's not really, it doesn't really transfer over well to humans. However, from a caloric standpoint, if we look at it this way, if we want to lose weight, we are in a calorie deficit right? So if we're cutting out our first meal of the day, we're automatically in a calorie deficit. This works well for folks I've worked with who are like shift workers, folks who are uh, first responders, because it's just easier. They're on their feet. Uh, people, you know, people who are drive truck drivers, like you skip one meal, it's actually a lot easier based off if that works for your schedule. But what can happen is some other people, and this sounds like it might be what, where some of this evening snacking comes from too, <laughs> Some folks, either subconsciously or they do it, they're like, I skip my first meal. I'm going to eat more later. So I want to skip that first meal and save up for whatever's happening later. And then it gets to be after dinner. And then you're like, well, I saved up anyway. So what, it actually, what actually happens is we're either eating at maintenance or we're eating at a slight surplus and we don't realize it because we think we've cut out that first meal. So I'll be able to run and be able be a little more energized and stuff. But the cool thing that you pointed out is when you started to eat breakfast, that like brain fog lifted, like you were actually able to focus and stuff. So really what it is, is all the research out there says, like right now, it's like time restricted eating. It's no different from any other form of calorie restriction. It's the same exact thing, same principles apply. So I'm really happy to hear that you've experienced that and you're eating breakfast, you know, for like, you know, especially as you as you heal 
right now. Like having that calorie intake is important, especially prioritizing like protein right now as you are going through this healing phase. Like that's super important for muscle preservation, also for like the healing process because it, it does take a lot of energy to do that. So those are important things. And I just want to first shout you out for doing that because I think a lot of people would overstep that. The other, the other thing that's kind of interesting when it comes to snacking is that, is that we kind of get hardwired to do it, kind of like you're saying. You know, it's kind of this thing. So it, it's like we wait the 10 to 15 minutes, which is spot on. And Kevin, when you're waiting those 10 to 15 minutes, are you sitting and staring at the food? No, not no. I might be ex a little excited about it. Mm. I enjoyed the snack. Like mm. I enjoyed my nighttime cap, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what, is, what is the usual routine? Like, what do you do? Like, what is your, what is your thing that you're doing? Uh, right now, I, after I eat, I, go, I call it my elevation station where I go sit and, and put my leg up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not doing much. I might be reading. I might be creating content. Uh, okay. I might be watching something. Okay, cool. And when you, so when you're doing that, that's when you're like, all right, snack o'clock. I'm going to go grab a snack. I'm going to go do this thing. Have you ever, have you ever just not grabbed the snack? Like, what do you experience if you decide I'm not going to do that today? I just decide not to do it. The snack attack happens later. Mm, okay. Okay. So if I could go out on a limb here. <clears throat> that hardwiring business you mentioned. Yeah. It's it's yeah, embedded. Yeah. yeah, so so I guess the question the question here is like are we actually experiencing hunger when that happens? Like are do we know what that feeling feels like? What what are you feeling when that actually happens? Like what's actually going on? I, I wouldn't call it hunger because I actually through this whole process of like troubleshooting of, of ways to, to polish the eating skill is um I've even quit eating the second meal, like uh, like a second plate and just making enough on my first plate because recognizing that at one point I was eating more than enough with two plates and then mm -hmm. having a dessert on top of that was like overkill. So I acknowledge mm -hmm. that. I think I'm eating enough in my first plate, getting to a point where I'm like factoring in room for dessert. I cannot say that it's hunger that strikes. I don't necessarily want to call it boredom because I'm engaged, but I'm willing to put the finger on it's the dopamine boost. Okay, cool. So dopamine, happiness, the feeling, you get the yeah. thing, the reward. What are some other things within your life, Kevin, that you can equate to that feeling? I know right now you're 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 all banged up, so you can't move your body the way you were moving it before. So, what are some other things within your life that that give you that little bit of a boost? You know, being outdoors, mm -hmm. puppy pile, which is a part of the elevation station. All the puppy, I have three dogs, and we all pile up the puppy pile. Um, You know, in the evening, like it's things that give me the boost that don't pump me up. It's challenging because like music would give me the boost. Hmm. Uh, 
but that falls in the category of like once I'm engaged, I'm engaged and I'm fired up. So it doesn't help me in the decompression mm-hmm. department. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Movement's a big one. Reading is something I've been trying to implement at night as well. Mm-hmm. I'm like a morning time reader or a midday reader. Uh, so I've been trying to read in the evenings here and there, which is a good way for me to decompress. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so all of those are like valid choices. You know, there's not there's no right or wrong way. It sounds to me like you like being pretty engaged, but at the same time, you know, it's still even though you are engaged, technically you probably are bored. Like you're bored. Your body, you you want to do something with your body. You're not wrong for wanting to do that. You're not wrong for wanting to have the snack. I think I think the thing here is you I don't want to say you need unconditional permission to have the snack because you do have permission. You're a grown ass adult. You have full permission to have snacks. I think what it is is like, what are you usually grabbing for the snack? <laughs> that's, that's the better question. Like, Kevin, I am, dude, I am a cookie snack? monster. I'm a cookie monster. Mm. Um, over the last couple of months, I've curtailed to more like uh, peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and fig sandwiches, especially. Uh, like instead of feeling like I need something sweet for breakfast, I'll have uh, like a banana and a peanut butter fig sandwich and like a protein drink. Okay. So sometimes I'll, I'll roll to that for dessert, but primarily, what do I like for dessert at night? Cookies, chocolate. Dope. So here, all right. So here's here's the thing. I and I want you to try this, and it's literally what that post was talking about. It's like almost when we see these foods or whatever they are, we say, I can't, like, I'm, I'm addicted to this. I need to have this. It's the feeling, the dopamine hit. It's not really that. It's a highly palatable food. It's sugar. It's fat. It's mixed together. It's supposed to be good. I love them as well, like everyone does. Sure. But in the, our mind, we go, nah, I shouldn't be having this. And because I tell myself, nah, I shouldn't be having this. When I have to, when I actually start to have it, I go, ooh, I'm being bad. I don't know when I'm gonna have this again. Even though you and I both will know, sounds like you're probably gonna have it tomorrow too. So the removing of that thought or that idea can be kind of helpful. So one of the tactics, and it's what the video was literally talking about, take the cookie, if you're gonna have a cookie, and put it on your plate with dinner. It's kind of like when you used to be in elementary school and you would get like the lunch at school and they would put the dessert on there. Like it would either be like the brownie and the little like in the little clear bag and it would go on there. It's the same idea. Put it on there. Like that's that's the thing. And the reason why is the likelihood of you going and getting more, maybe you will sometimes. Give yourself full permission, but notice what you feel when you actually do it. So that's the question after this, Kevin, is like, if you do eat the cookies, how do you feel after you eat the cookies? Not like immediately after, but I mean like 20, 30 minutes. Like, how are you feeling? You know, something something just hit me while you, while you were saying this. Slowing down while I'm eating dessert, I think is going to be a huge, uh, something I struggle with. Like I tend to inhale the dessert and then it's gone. Mm. And then I'm like struck with the FOMO. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's a couple things going on here. 
And you can do this with your meals too. Like if you have a hard time with meals, like if you find that you inhale your food, this is something that I had to do for a long time. It's a thing from meditation. It's like a mindfulness practice, right? And in meditation, the thing that was posed to me was to take like one square of chocolate and you let it sit on your tongue and you don't bite it. You just actually taste all the flavors of it. The same idea can be applied to your food. You know, it's, it's the idea of like, I'm going to pick one thing out of all the senses I have and focus that on this particular thing, especially if I love this thing. So whether that be picking a particular flavor, whether that be like the texture, whether that be the smell, whether that be uh, like the sight, like looking at my bite before I actually take it, all of these things in research are connected back to our ability to recognize that we're full or getting full. Like if we're doing these things while we're watching TV, we're not really being aware of what we're doing. If we're doing these things even while we're reading, we're not being aware of the thing. So here's my challenge for you. If you're going to have the thing, have it with dinner or have it after dinner, but don't do anything else. Like look at what you're doing because this you're going to start to notice a trend. Does it actually taste as good as you think it tastes? Or are we chasing some other feeling or emotion that that's wrapped with that? And that, you know, in and of itself could be a whole other conversation. You know, so that how does that sound to you? Like, what is that? I think you just hit the nail on the head, Chris, um, about having the dessert with the dinner, right? Because the dinner is carved out as it's dinner time at the table, normally with my wife, separate from whatever other activity I'm doing after dinner. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, the dessert, the snack accompanies mm -hmm. the activity where I'm losing the mindfulness with the dessert. Yeah. And I mean, usually the activities that you're doing, what they what they are, are those are activities that allow you to engage. And technically what you're trying to do with the desserts are disengage a little bit. It's like they're flip flopped. You know, so what I'm asking you to try is to engage with the dessert. And disengage a little bit by doing something, whether that be listening to a different type of music, maybe not your like EDM, like funk music, maybe listening to something else that you enjoy listening to, maybe making sure that you're reading like fiction versus reading nonfiction, like later in the evening. So your brain can, can get lost in the story. Like all of these things are small little tweaks, you know, that, that we want to kind of be aware of. It's like, if I'm reading really hard literature, like before bed, is it stressing me out? Am I actually able to like, even like fully grasp it like based off our schedule if you're in school it's what you have to do but if you're not in school it's like look at when you can read what you know so the other thing for you Kevin is like from a from a weight standpoint for you like do you have like are you trying to maintain weight are you trying to lose weight are you trying to just perform like what is for you, what is the what is the bigger overarching goal? You know, that is something I've been trying to pinpoint for a while because I, I feel like I function well for my weight. Before the injury, I, I got the two twenty five. Um, 
this year, like playing around with some weights and doing a lot of rings training and then doing all the plyometrics at work with the caloric uh, increase. Mm-hmm. Like I, I put on, I put on some muscles, dude. I, I got up to 225. But now I'm also thinking, considering how much easier everything would be if I were lighter. Mm. Yeah. So that's really interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. Like the skill, particularly for, for like ring skills and stuff. Yeah. Weighing more is going to make all of that way harder. It's not that it's bad. It's not that it's good. It's just, that's a fact. It's like, if I was six foot four doing like a handstand and doing like an L sit, like those particular skills become much more challenging. It's not that you can't do them. It's that it's just challenging. And fortunately, that's one of the things you can't change about. You can't change your height. You can't change that. It's just like trying to change change like your foot. You can't. It's your foot. Uh, but when it comes to weight, yeah, you can shift around. Like for you, like what were you weighing prior to weighing 225? Like because you said you put on muscle. So what were you weighing before? Yeah, rough, roughly about 210. Okay, cool. So Last year on, I was about 210. Yeah. So you put on about you put on about uh 15 pounds. It's not not bad at all like that's awesome you know especially if that was your goal too like you're eating more you're training more you put on muscle 15 pounds of muscle does sound like a lot so we have to like also look at it It, it, there's some fat lumped in with that because if you weren't tracking your calories before and you just started eating more the likelihood is yeah that's that's what happens it's normal um and it's actually not a bad thing because now what someone technically does is they enter a little bit of a deficit, which is not what you're going to do right now. You're going to wait until, well, I mean, you technically, your deficit that you would be in would probably be your maintenance right about now because you're not you're not doing as much walking as you were before right. and doing all that, right? Maybe you're doing one session a day on the rings and stuff. So you have to consider that. It's like, okay, maybe you set a deficit now, but most likely that's probably what your maintenance calorie should be anyway because you're not you're not able to do as much cuz you're recovering. You don't want to enter a calorie deficit that's super drastic right now like dieting in and of itself like right now while you're healing will make your life miserable. However, eating at maintenance won't make your life miserable. It just might be being aware of what your actual portions are and um being cognizant or being aware of what your calories actually are. Um you're you're at a point it sounds to me like you've got a handle on all of this. So now it's like, do I want to go down that route and know what all that stuff is? Or do I want to eyeball things and kind of guess my way through it and be aware from it that way? It sounds like you have the eating skills down, but it's like, can I add more complexity to it? Or do I, do I just focus really hard on making sure I'm actually eating balanced plates, making sure I'm actually aware of those things? You know what I mean? I sometimes play with the My Fitness Pal to get a general idea of like what my staples look like. Yeah. So that way I'm able to just eyeball my staples easily. Um, when my caloric input was higher and I was doing all those activities, I felt good, Chris. Like to me, there was no reason to change what I was doing at the time. Yeah. Now I'm realizing like I'm dealing with some aftermath now because you just hit the nail on the head. Like technically I'm in a maintenance mode, but I'm doing a lot less. And so 
having to really be mindful of not only the eating skills, but what I'm eating because my conditioned hunger is still present. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit of hunger is normal. Like that's to be expected. If you are like, if let's say you have been uh, cutting back a little bit, hunger is normal, but also the conditioned hunger is probably not hunger. Most of the time, if you, if you were like, oh yeah, let's have, you know, an apple sounds really good right now. All right. Then you're probably hungry. Ooh, uh, three tacos with, with, uh, some rice and beans. That sounds really good right now. Awesome. If you're like, let's have cookies. Chances are you're not hungry. Right. Right. So that's the process of elimination there. And the other way you can know is like, we talked about, you know, what hunger is, but your craving that just goes in a wave. That's really something else under the surface, which in your case could either be boredom, could feel being feeling bummed out because you can't exercise. Like, oh, the first week, Chris. Yeah, I ate ate my feelings the first week, dude. Yeah, yeah, and and you recognize it, you know. So that that's the thing. Um, but yeah, man, when it when it comes to like nutrition stuff, like looking at it, it's it's like okay, right now I'm in maintenance mode. Maintenance mode for me technically is probably a deficit from where I was because I I'm not getting the steps as much as I am. You know, it's like, yes, you do have to make sure you're eating enough so that you're healing properly, but it's also like, yeah, that's still probably a little less than what you're eating right now. Technically, technically, if you, if you wanted to spelt up a little bit while you're healing, so there's not as much weight on that, uh, on that Achilles, when you do start rehab and everything, like that's another way you can start to think about it. It's like, okay, if I'm a little less than 220, if I get back down to like, let's say 215, I actually stepped on the scale today and that's what it said. Okay. I don't know if it's because I only had one foot on it though, you know? Most likely. Uh, it could be. Could be because your full weight wasn't actually on it. Right. Uh, the other the other thing here is you would most likely have to go off for the time being, you would go off like body measurements versus, versus just the scale alone. Also randomly stepping on the scale never, never really works out. Uh, Did you, you just say out- random? Yeah, randomly stepping. Okay. Scale, yeah, that never works. Uh, because just because it's it it doesn't tell the whole story. You know, working off averages, that's that's what tends to work best for people. Can um, you can you elaborate a little more on that? Like a systemic way to approach sure. stepping onto the scale? Yeah. So if I'll give you an example. Uh I did, I think there was a piece of content I put up a few days ago, and it was literally of me in the morning. I stepped on the scale and I weighed 149 pounds. And then I took I took a pee and a dookie and then I weighed 147 pounds. So the scale is going to, and I literally showed the weight, like not the poop, but I showed the weight and the scale just fluctuates. There's so many other factors, you know, it, whether that be like doing a hard training session, whether that be, whether that be sleep, whether that be what you ate the day before, whether that be it doesn't matter. It just fluctuates. It's natural. It's normal. So if you randomly step on the scale, it's not telling you the whole story. It's easy to feel like, okay, you know, I'm in a good place. But if you actually look at a trend over time, it's like your scale's going up and you just maybe stepped on the scale or the scale's actually going down, but maybe it spiked up a little bit. The reality is it's never, it, it, all, all I care about if someone is focused on intentional weight loss is a downward trend on the scale. 
I don't, I don't care if the weight goes up. I don't care. I don't care. I, what I'm more concerned about is consistency. There's going to be spikes. There's going to be plateaus. There's going to be whooshes where all of a sudden you've been stuck at a weight for a while and then you whoosh down and then you get stuck at a weight again and whoosh. That's just what it does. What tends to happen for people though is they see that number, they freak out and then they cut their calories or they add extra training sessions or they try to go for longer walks. And it's like, you don't have to add more. You just have to have patience. And that's, that's hard. It's really hard to have patience. So what you could do is you step on the scale, do it at the same time every single day, usually first thing in the morning after you go to the bathroom. And, and then you take that number, you do it every single day for seven days. You, you, then, you then find your average. You know, you divide that number by seven, gives you your thing. You need to do it for at least like 30 days or longer. So you can actually see any for, sort of trend that's actually popping up. There's tons of apps where you can, I even think in the Apple Watch app or Apple Fit or whatever it is, you could put, put your weight in and it will show you in a downward trend if you use an Apple Watch or whatever, or iPhone. Um, but yeah, so you can actually see, you'll start to see like a, like a trend or whatever. Um, and then on, from, that, from there, it's really, it's really about like um, really starting to think about, okay, like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to do this? What is a sustainable way for me to do this? Uh, you know, there, there, there are all sorts of things to think about. It might be as simple, you know, having three plates and two snacks, three balanced plates a day, two, two deliberate snacks, one deliberate snack. You know, maybe in the evening we 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 look at other options beyond cookies, right? If you're truly hungry, it, you know, it could be very much that you're not getting enough, technically getting enough protein during the day, right? If that number is not high enough, we're not hitting that consistently. That's where tracking can be pretty helpful, so you can see. That um, has been an active challenge over the last 180 days. Like yeah. when I started measuring it and seeing how little protein I was actually getting for yeah. sure. Yeah. So there, there's, and you know, proteins in tons of different things. It depends. Someone's plant-based, you know, there's all that whole conversation. If someone's not plant-based, cool. You know, it, you got to look at things. You have all these different options. You have fish, you have leaner cuts of meat, you have chicken, you have turkey, you have, you have eggs, you have egg whites, you have, uh, you know, you have your tofu, you have your tempeh, you have your satan, you have, uh, you have uh, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, like those are easy ways to add in. Uh, and then you have your protein powders. Like it, it is truly like there are so many different options. What, what matters more is planning. That tends to be the hardest thing for people. Like I've been talking for like the last 30 minutes with you. But if you don't have a plan to do all that stuff, you know, that's where it gets to be hard, you know? Yeah, I do. The uh, the planning stuff, uh, when I'm more mobile, it's a lot easier. You know, I'm able to go make the grocery. I'm able to do all the prep. So I'm able yeah. to be a lot more intentional. So it's kind of been a challenge here these last couple of weeks. I'm looking at like one or two more weeks to where I'm. I yeah. call it I call it hands free versus non hands free behind the crutches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that kind of that'll open the game back up for me. You know, I mean, 
for you at night, it sounds like you're craving something sweet, but and cookies are pretty sweet. Really easy thing that a lot of my clients will do and I do is zero fat faye, like Greek yogurt. And you mix it with your protein powder and you pop it in the freezer for like 15 minutes. And then you put a bunch of like strawberries or blueberries, like all the berries on top. You can so even add a little protein powder fruit. Yeah. And you put that sucker in the freezer. And look, if you need it to be a little sweeter, you take some stevia and mix it in with it too. Some folks, some folks like that, depending on their protein powder. Like my protein powder is cinnamon cereal, so I don't need to add any of that. It tastes like cinnamon cereal. Uh, but uh, you pop that bad boy in the freezer, you eat that, and it's one of the most filling. Like that, that is very filling. It's about looking. I'm actually writing a whole article right now on how to stay full in a calorie deficit. It's a big one. It's a big article. But there are tons of people forget about fruit. Like you can eat like a pound of watermelon. And it's like, I think it's like something silly, like 140 calories. Like it's something so silly. You eat a pound of watermelon and tell me you're still hungry after. Uh, you know, so you got to look at, you got to start looking at like, okay, what are alternatives that will help me stay full while I'm doing this? Because that's the other part of it. It's like, we're adjusting some things. You're going to be hungry sometimes and it's okay. But if you do want to eat something, how can I have this be protein based and help with me staying full? That's yeah, I like, like that. Like, the idea of having the intention of getting full with dessert mm -hmm. of substance. Yeah. And like if we do talk calories calorically, like, yeah, if you're having a cookie, it's no big deal. Like, it's really not. What actually matters is your full week, your full week of eating. That determines your deficit, not one day, unless you went over like a lot one day. It would have to be a lot though. But if you think about it that way, it's like, once you know what your calorie deficit is and you do some math, you're like, oh, this actually isn't as, this doesn't, yes, it's somewhat restrictive. Everything has to be, a, there is a little restriction. Can't go balls to the walls all the time. But it's it's way more lax than someone actually thinks it needs to be. Um, at least that's how I approach it. Slow and steady versus rapid and miserable. Um, so it's just another way to think about it. It's like cookies definitely can fit in there. It's just like cookies every single day. Technically, you could do it. You just need to be aware of it versus I could have a cookie one day. I could have this protein thing that will keep me really full and taste really good too for less calories. It's like it's less calories, but it's still actually really good versus me saying you can't have anything at all. It's like, no, no, no. I'm going to have it. Sometimes I'll say yes to this other thing. Sometimes I'll say no to it. You know, that that's like the game you get to play with yourself. Balance. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, do you have it? Do you have any other questions? No, man, that was really helpful, Chris. Uh, permission, reevaluate the, the dessert choice, include the dessert with the dinner. So it's still the mindful portion of the meal and uh, disengage, engage the dessert, disengage in the evening. Yeah, man. I mean, that's really that's really what it's all about. It's like just just 
being aware of the choice you're making. And, you know, for clients, what I have them do in the beginning before they do any form of like calories or anything, they do like a food and feelings sort of tracking method. So it's like, what was I doing right before I had it? Like, what was I feeling before I had it? What did I feel after? You know, and it's so you can start to recognize, like, was I triggered by something? Was I just, was I just enjoying the thing? Because believe it or not, there's always a reason why you're having something. Um, It's just important that you're aware of whatever that reason happens to be. And that's what gets to be hard for folks. Um, So that's just another way you can do it. You can just take out that pen and paper, write it out. No calories, no nothing like that. You're just literally writing out what you had, what you were doing when you had it, or why you chose to have it. You know, and then you're you have a little bit more awareness around that. Thank you for checking out this episode of Value Driven Life. I really appreciate you being here and giving a chance to this episode. If you found it particularly helpful, do me a favor, please drop a five-star review. That's how we can get this episode in front of more people so they can hear it and maybe it will help them. Hey, maybe you share it with someone. Who knows? If it's your first time here, I really appreciate it. You can go back through and see all the other interviews, all the other mini episodes I've done. They're all helpful tips and tricks for uncomplicating nutrition and fitness and this whole wellness thing. So I appreciate you being here. And without further ado, go do great things because you can.